0: Welcome To my dad's podcast, my blackest friend, national. Follow him on Instagram. Hope you enjoy the show. <laughs>
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Kalechi bay Lambert. and this is My Black is Transnational. Welcome to yet another episode on Black History Month. And for today, we'll be talking about money. We'll be talking about financial management and and resources invested. Um, But this is not your routine conversation about money management and financial responsibility. Uh, This conversation will be focusing on money management finances from a transnational perspective. How do transnational ties factor into financial planning, financial outcomes, um, and the development and the um, accruing of resources? How do financial um, responsibilities across the globe among Black immigrants play a role? Or just black people who who identify as transnational how does it play a role and among all these other questions um, that need to be answered we will be having another guest um, a financial expert come in and talk to us about these questions joining us on the show will be mr jeff badu who is in my opinion an emerging maven uh, an emerging star when it comes to financial literacy financial management and investments Uh, he's a serial entrepreneur a wealth multiplier, a licensed certified public accountant, or what they call a CPA. Um, and he's the founder of Jeff um, Badu Enterprises, which is a multinational conglomerate. I mean, this man is doing anything and everything when it comes to just wealth building, uh, when it comes to financial management and, and investment and properly investing your resources into into things. Uh, so I think Jeff is going to join the show Um also hailing from the University of Illinois. Of course, I have to put it out there. But Jeff will be joining us to kind of share his wisdom and share his knowledge when it comes to how transnationals manage their money. Jeff is also, I should add, a Ghanaian. So I know he'll have some insight when it comes to the responsibilities that take place as far as um finances and sending money back home and how that may play a role as far as um money management here in the U.S. compared to in Ghana and investing resources overseas compared to in the U.S. And I think he'll just be able to really shed some light into a lot of the discussions when it comes to financial management. And I think we will be able to learn a lot from Mr. Badu. So very excited to have him on the show. And if you have any feedback for me um, on the show, you can email me at blacktransnational17 at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at blacktransnational underscore. If you use the Anchor app to listen to this podcast, you can leave a voice message, which I think is a really cool feature and I can be able to possibly put it on the show. So if you have some words for me, good or bad, I would love to hear it and I'd love to put it on the show. And, um, please rate, subscribe, and review the podcast. It's available on all platforms. All right, so now that we've gotten all that out the way, I truly, truly hope that you enjoy the content and the conversation that Jeff and I have. And without any further ado, let's go. Welcome to My Black is Transnational. And today we have on our show a financial guru, an expert, an investor, a wealth multiplier, a blogger, Man, he man he even has his own podcast show called Money Talks, uh, the Badu edition. So we have on a good brother of mine, uh, Mr. Jeff Badu. Brother, what's going on, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Not too
0: much, man. Thanks for thanks for having me. I definitely appreciate
1: it. No doubt, no doubt, man. So, you know, as um as we talk about in the show, My Black is Transnational, we're gonna focus on uh just finances today, so if you can tell us a little bit about what you do, we would appreciate that, outside of all okay. the other things I've
0: said. So, yeah, absolutely. So my name is Jeff Badu, I am a, a wealth multiplier and a serial entrepreneur. I run a multinational conglomerate firm known as Badu Enterprises, um, which what we do is we provide financial services to individuals and businesses in efforts to help them multiply their wealth. Um, and help them find ways in and, and different streams or different different ways that they, they never knew actually existed. So one of the main things, or one of the main companies in the firm is Baidu Tax Services, which is a CPA firm that specializes in tax preparation, planning, and representation for individuals and businesses. And then we also own Baidu Investments, which is primarily a real estate investment company that acquires residential and commercial real estate properties in underdeveloped areas um, such as the South Side of Chicago, and efforts to help restore the community and all that good stuff. And lastly, I do a lot of philanthropy work. So I do a lot of presentations, talk shows, radio shows. And my main mission in life is to help people get financially literate and help them become comfortable when it comes to their finances.
1: Man, well, that's that's well said. and And thank you for joining us again because we are going to rely heavily on your expertise. And one of the things that I also forgot Um, to mention is that you are also a a Ghanaian. Yes,
0: sir. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely, my brother. So um, you do a lot of philanthropic work. My tongue's getting twisted, but you do a lot of work in the community um, and you work a lot with African immigrants and those who may even be African Americans. So one of the things that I want to ask is what are some of the financial um, issues you've been exposed to or you've experienced working with people from the African immigrant community?
0: Yeah, I would say one of the main financial issues or one of the main financial things that comes about in America is really understanding the system. You know, when people come over here, whether, you know, whether immigrants or they just migrated over here, um, it's understanding how the money system works. Unfortunately, a lot of our ancestors or past, you know, um, they don't understand truly how money works Mm -hmm. and that when it comes to the money, it's not just about working hard for it, but it's also really more about how to learn, learn how to multiply it in multiple ways. Mm -hmm. So one big challenge that I've seen, and this is from working with a lot of clients, tax clients and, you know, in the Ghanaian or African community Mm -hmm. is we get the money, you know, we know how to make the money. Like, we don't have a problem working. The problem is keeping the money, investing it, and turn it into something much bigger. That's something that we lack. So a lot of people, the challenge I see, they're living paycheck to paycheck, punching a clock, you know, clock in, clock out, go home, do whatever, wake up the next day, do the same thing. We're not finding multiple streams. I know some people are now driving Uber and Lyft, but that's not even enough because that requires your effort, you know. Um, I would say one thing we need to learn how to do is create passive income streams, Mm -hmm. which is something that's never really taught. You know, we're only really taught how to make active income money. We have to work for. What happens when you get sick? You know, what happens when you um, when you get into a car accident or something? Now the income stops. So now you might get into financial distress. Now you have to file for unemployment, and that can take some time. But when you have a rental property or a cash flow producing asset. You know that's just producing and producing and producing. Whether you're working or whether are you even in, in this world or not, the money is still going to come in. So I think the challenge is, is not knowing how to make money, in the ways that we've never really been taught.
1: So then, one of the things that you just mentioned, I found very interesting, was the whole notion of people living paycheck to paycheck, and even though we know how to make the money, we don't know how to invest properly. So what do you say to those who may have the the the, the challenge of or I should say because they have responsibilities to send money to back home or send money to you know people who they're responsible for in other parts of the world, what do you say to those people who have those issues and have that commitment um, and they, but they still want to be able to manage their finances and, and, and acquire wealth?
0: Yeah, um, it's, it's a very good point. You know, um, you know, Fortunately, I'm not somebody who has to take care of people or a lot of people. You know, I'm a single bachelor, no kids, no wife, none of that stuff. Um, And my parents are pretty decent off. So for those people that aren't so fortunate, you know, um, I would say the same thing. Really, my advice is to try to find different streams of income or try to teach them how to make maybe some things that you've learned. Now, of course, you don't know what you don't know unless somebody tells you Mm -hmm. so you can't really teach somebody what you don't know. So it all really begins with you, you as the individual, you have to build the foundation. You have to go out and educate or get the knowledge. in order. So I would say go out and get the education. And I know that a lot of us are busy. But hey, Saturdays, most of us are free. Why not spend that time? Take an hour or two in the morning. Read a book. You know, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Hmm. Um, if you don't have the book, you can go on audible.com right now. Sign up. You get a free audio book. Listen to it. You know, so money is certainly not the issue with this, you know. Um, and I know a lot of us are free on Saturday, So try to spend some time to, first and foremost, learn this stuff. You know, get educated. Watch some podcasts. And once you get educated, then you start saying, okay, well, based on my, my numbers, you know, this is how much money I make. This is how much money I spend. Try to, try to, you know, save some money on a side. And I know it can be very hard to save. I have a client. She said, man, saving is so hard unless you get a tax refund or something, like a big windfall. Mm. And with that, just like just look at your budget. First thing you gotta put the numbers on paper. You know, once you get educated, learn how to create a budget or use sites like Mint dot com. Know exactly how much is coming in, exactly how much is going out. That way you can know, okay, well, I need to make more money or I need to spend less money because I'm I'm just spending too much money on clothes. But so budget is very, very key. It's foundational. Once you figure out your disposable income, which is your income minus expenses, then you can say, okay, well, based off of this education, I can go out and buy this. I can go out and invest in some stocks. And then I'm going to use the money that I'm going to make from the stocks, and then I'm going to cover all my other expenses, you know, bringing people here and all that stuff. So it's a multitude of things. Um, It's not just one main thing. But you have to get educated, first and foremost. Once you get educated... Get a budget going. Once you get a budget, try to figure out ways that you can improve your budget. And then you start saving, start investing. Um, And then you can say, okay, well, I can help so-and-so. I can do this and that. Because if you don't have it, you don't have it. That's just what it comes down to. But once you learn how to get it, then ultimately you can really, really start helping other
1: people. Awesome. And now what are your thoughts about people who kind of have because they go back and forth, because they go between Africa and America, and you un- you, you know as well, as much as I do that the money, the inflation is different. So as far as in, um, you know, for Nigeria, in my example, the Naira is definitely not even equal to the dollar. So for people who go and are considered wealthier, or at least viewed as wealthier in in the motherland because of their experience or living in America and the money that they may acquire here do you encourage people to invest in resources and land and things of that nature in um, in Africa, or do you do you expect them to, or do you suggest that they should save their money first and you know acquire as much as they can in the U.S. before they even think about investing? What do you think about those types of um those types of activities?
0: Yeah. So in general, when it comes to a person's budget, remember budget is very foundational. You should have at least three to six months' worth of expenses saved in a bank at all times. Before you can even think about an investment. So, unless, and this is what we call an emergency fund. So, unless you have an emergency fund, and I would say it's fine to just have three months. I mean, I personally just do three months, you know, have three months of expenses, expenses that you absolutely need every single month. You know, multiply that by three, save it in the bank. And then once you hit month three or once you've capped it out, you can say, okay, well, let me take this money. And let me go invest it. As far as your options, I really do like the African countries, like what they have to offer. For example, I'm in the process of acquiring some land right now in Ghana, uh, um, which I'm getting for a pretty cheap price. And you are right. The dollar has, you know, the dollar has substantially taken over these other countries' currencies. And that's an advantage. So if you're living in America, I mean, that in itself, you should be. You should be, you know, if you're not investing or if you're not doing any of that, it's kind of a little shameful because you're, you have an opportunity to take money here that you made here. That's what my dad did. He made money here, took it to Ghana, bought some land and just started building from there. So I definitely think there's excellent opportunities in African countries. So I highly advise that, especially now, you know, back in the day, it used to be one to one or two to one. Right Now it's like five to one in Ghana. You know, um, so that's an opportunity to take advantage. But one thing, too, is they do make things, of course, more expensive out there. So even though your $1 can get five down in a city or Naira or anything like that, it's still, it might buy more, but they're still also going to, you know, jack up the prices just because people need to live as well. Um, But, yeah, I do think, I love opportunities, African investments. I think, I mean, I think that's the way it should be. You know, you make money here, take it back home. The building, you know, I, I personally love that. I mean, for me, I start off with American opportunities available in Africa, and I'm just starting to find out when I go on these different trips to, you know, to Ghana and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. Do you encourage African Americans who may who may just be trying to reacquaint themselves with Africa? Do you also encourage them to invest in Africa as well?
0: Um. I mean. Ultimately, a person should invest wherever they're most comfortable and wherever is the most profitable. You know, you have to match those two. Um, for me, I would say I'm most comfortable investing in America. However, I would love, you know, the profit opportunity to me is much greater in Ghana. So it's kind of a mix, but from an African American standpoint, you know, all of us are basically from Africa. Um, and nowadays we can take DNA tests and all that, you know, those good things. So, From a profit, from a money standpoint, yes, absolutely. If you find a great opportunity in Africa, you should certainly invest in it. If you find a great opportunity in America, you should certainly invest in it. As far as making a a choice between the two, um, that's up to the person's personal preference. I would advise that you you have, ultimately, you have to do your research. So, If one is comfortable and has done enough research about Ghana or Nigeria or Ivory Coast, Togo, all these countries, As long as you've done enough research and you feel comfortable, then yeah, go ahead. It's going to be more money. I I think the profit opportunity is much greater in these other countries as opposed to America. Um, So as long as one is comfortable and one is from here, then I certainly think that one should invest overseas as well.
1: Okay. So then that kind of leads me to follow up and ask, then what do you think would be the ramifications as far as taxes. Cause you know, sometimes when you file your taxes, they ask if you have, you know, an account in a foreign land. Um, some people are kind of skeptical, uh, who may not be very aware of what's going on. Some people might be scared to disclose that information or whatever because they don't know how it'll affect them in, in America. So is you know, do do you think that might be something that people might be reluctant to do because of that or no?
0: Yeah. Um I would say, yes. So in the U.S., you have to pay taxes on your worldwide income. So if you make $1,000 in Ghana on your rental property, you should legally or you have to legally be reporting that in America, you know. Um, So, yes, I I can certainly see the fear and all of that. But, you know, when it comes to making the money, the more money you make, the more complicated your life becomes. So you have to be comfortable with these things and always seek the help of advisors You should certainly not be on TurboTax if you have a bunch of investments all over the world because TurboTax or these other sites are more of a simpler, you know, forms. So seek the help of an advisor, you know, talk to a tax advisor. But the rule is if you're investing in another country and you're making a profit, you do have to report that. And then if you do have bank accounts overseas over $10,000 or so, um, you do have to, you know, disclose that on your tax return. As far as being afraid, no, you should not be afraid. It does seem frightening and all that. Don't let it discourage you. Just understand that your life becomes more complicated when you start getting involved with these different things. All
1: right. So, yes. Um, Thank you for sharing that. So, just to kind of shift gears a little bit, and we'll kind of talk a little bit more about things locally or even nationally. Uh, From your experience, what... Have you noticed any key differences as far as um, the financial barriers or financial issues between your African um, clients compared to your African American clients? Do you think they have similar money issues or are their money issues different?
0: Honestly, I see it exactly the same. Hmm. You know, we make money, we don't know how to invest it. We always spend. We get a big tax refund, and all of a sudden, it's gone the next month. You know, instead of putting that money somewhere, like an investment, or, you know, maybe paying off that credit card that has 30% interest, I see the same exact challenges where we get the money, and that's the following two months, it's gone. So, the challenges that I've seen in America for both Africans and African Americans, I think are basically the same. Um, I know Africans are raised a little differently, or a lot differently, I should say, than African Americans. But once we come here, we sort of get into the same habit, you know, punching the clock, not looking at investments, or not even having the time. Here's the thing is we don't have the time. This is one big reason why I quit my full time job because I didn't have the time to research. I didn't have the time to get educated. I didn't have the time to do stuff that I really wanted to do. So I decided to leave so I could create some more time to have, you know, to actually make some real money. That's where the real money is made. The real money is not made from punching the clock. The real money is made from accumulating rental properties, from accumulating <laughs> investments, from buying stocks, you know, life insurance policies, and all. That's where the real money is made, where the true wealth is created. So I, I do think we face the same exact challenges. I mean, I to be honest, whether an African American client comes in versus an African client, it's the same exact issue that you see. They get a big tax refund. Next thing you know, it's gone. It's because in general these. We don't learn this stuff in school. And a lot of us, you know, or some of us that came to America, we didn't even finish school. to even learn or get advanced education. So with that being said, the fact that they don't even teach it in the schools that we did even go to, or even somebody who's a master's level or PhD student or, like, you know, has the highest of the highest degrees in the world, they don't teach this stuff in school. So the challenge is that we need to learn how to find time to get educated because that's what's really going to take us to the next level. I mean, I didn't always know this stuff. If you asked me what a Roth IRA was five years ago, I would say, you know, I I would say something that wouldn't, that would be nowhere close to it. Um, But I picked up a book, you know, I got educated and that's what truly matters. And then I, of course, executed. And now, you know, I'm slowly building my retirement portfolio.
1: Man, that is fantastic. And, I, and I'm i glad you emphasized the point that although, you know, we are raised differently as Africans compared to African-Americans, we still face the same problem. And I think that stands out because sometimes a lot of us tend to try to differentiate ourselves, but we're all black and we all still face the same barrier. So that's very, very interesting and insightful. All right, so... Um, One question that I just want to ask you. Um, so what do you think? I mean, I know you kind of emphasize on the whole notion of, you know, reading, educating ourselves. Um, but what do you think us as Black people together in unison, what can we do to finally get ourselves out of these, um, these financial ruts that we put ourselves in? Um, and how can we collectively start to build A community of wealth where you know black businesses can can grow and we can start relying more on black commerce and things of that nature and black investments um do you think that's something that's possible can we truly reach that that level where we can start relying on each other african and african-americans can come together and build our own economical community
0: yeah, so my notion in life is anything is possible. You can achieve anything in the world that you ever put your mind to. Nobody can stop you from anything. So is it possible for us to come together one day and say, okay, we're tired of being broke. We're tired of being behind in life. Every time we, we see the stats, we're always at the last or, the, you know, one of the bottoms. It is possible, but the problem is we have already been trained or we, we've already been taught a certain mind. Like we've We've sort of been brainwashed. Mm. How do you fix something that's been brainwashed? You have to, the people that know it have to teach the other people. And that's only totally going to work if the people that are being taught are actually listening. You know, for me, I do a lot of presentations, workshops. I invite people. I speak on the radio. I reach 2 million people every, every single time I speak. But the thing is, is it really sticking in people's heads? Like, hey, okay, let me actually listen. We're too busy working. We're too busy doing, you know, we're too busy doing something. But the next time you ask somebody, you know, how much money do you have in a bank account? Oh, I don't have much. I have $100. Well, what are you too busy doing? You know, so it's like, is it possible? Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, I think that we can we can be so great. We We can do so many things together. How do we do it? We have to, for one, change. We have to say it's enough. And I know a lot of us have already said that, but we have to believe in, we have to truly say, hey, enough is enough. We can't, we can't do this anymore. Enough is enough. We absolutely cannot do this anymore. So we are going to put, you know, we're going to reach out to the leaders. We're going to reach out to people who are insightful about this topic. And we're going to start hosting some workshops. Now, remember, these things don't work if the people that you're trying to, you know, confront or you're trying to get on board, if they're not participating. So we gotta get those people out too. So, to just answer to the question, how do we fix this? We have to educate people. Mm-hmm. That's the only really. That's the thing. You, you just gotta. You gotta get it within deep within people's brains. That hey, if you invest in this, if you have, you know, we'll lay out a budget. Tell us how much you make. Tell, tell us how much you spend. You know, we'll do all of those things. Um, we'll we'll lay out a budget. We'll see your disposable income. And we'll tell you all about this investment. All you have to do is trust us. Now, as far as empowering black-owned businesses and all that good stuff, we just for one, as black-owned businesses, we have to be more reliable. You know, that, that's just the nature of it. Some black-owned businesses are not reliable. You know, and, and that's just the point. You have to you, you have to treat people the way you want to be treated. You have to treat people with good customer service. Mm. You know, so we gotta we gotta take our businesses seriously. You know, we gotta be on time when we. You know, when we're doing things, you know, Africans, we are well known for not being on time. For well that. that alone in itself well can change a lot. I can tell you that much. Just being on time to a meeting, for example, or just being on time to something um, is going to change a lot. You know, so we we, have, we we really have to, the businesses themselves have to take things seriously. And then the people that are... You know, customers of that business also have to treat it like a business, not just a friend, like a buddy, buddy. Hey, you know, cut me a discount. Um, so we what the short answer. We have to change our minds a little bit to become a better service providers, better customers, and just being res- more respectful of each other. You know, and then we also have to continuously get educated. We have to want to. You know, I believe that the pe- there are people there to do the workshops. We just need the people to actually attend these workshops. Yeah, that's all it really
1: is. Yeah, yeah that's real tall. And so then I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this question. Then, because we're focused on the immigrant population a lot here on this show, what would you tell the? What would you advise the the immigrant who's just arriving here to do financially when they just get here? They're trying to get adjusted to America. What would be the first thing you would tell that person, knowing what you know now? What would you tell them <laughs> as far as fin- financial <laughs> management and wealth?
0: Okay. I mean, I would say the first thing, assuming that they found a job, assuming that they found a decent, you know, something that can get them by, uh, one of the first things you should do is figure out how to make multiple streams of income. You know, instead of going to work every day, find something that you can do on the side. You know, pick up a book. One of the first things, assuming that everything is all good, you've already done everything and all of that, or you've already, you know, you sort of gotten, like, you, you have something that's foundational. You always have to have foundation, no matter what. So, assuming you have something that's you know, a stable income, a stable or anything like that, pick up a book, you know. Um, and you're like, okay, well, I don't have any money. Go to Audible.com. You're going to have a cell phone in America. Everybody has a cell phone somehow, some way. As soon as an, you know, as soon as an immigrant arrives to America, they have a cell phone, a phone number already. Yeah. You know. So, yeah. with that being said. Make sure, you know, utilize the device in ways that it was supposed to be utilized yes. to help people and to also gain access to resources. So I would say, my first advice is really be like find something that's stable. Like find a job, find something that you can rely on. to At least you know, put some food on the table. But after you've done that, definitely go out and get education. Education is important. I did not realize how important financial education was until I got my first job, and I was like, wow. You know, <clears throat> So, yeah, my advice, get educated. Once you get educated, take some of that money and start investing it, saving it, and, and you'll become prosperous as you, as you want to be.
1: That's dope. And so I was just, you know, in preparation for this interview with you, my wife had uh, told me that I had to ask you a question because she was really thinking about it. And I told her I would relay the question to you. And uh, she was asking about the Family LLC. Right, and one of the things that she was exposed to was the ability for families to be able to create their own LLCs potentially, and and with the Black community, especially Africans and even in African Americans having such large families, do you think that's a wise move to make as far as families becoming LLCs, paying taxes, and using using that opportunity to get tax breaks? What do you think about that?
0: I mean, you should absolutely do it. Every family should have an LLC. Oh, wow. I mean, it's a no-brainer, honestly. Huh. Um, the reason why, is, and this this is more for tax reasons, by the way. Okay. But also, you can build multi-generational wealth. Um, they say not everyone is meant to be a business owner, but I, I believe that everybody was born as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a family LLC, for example, if you're having meals now, you know your meals are going to be deductible because the rule is you have to have a meal with somebody and you have to discuss business. I know for a fact when you guys are sitting at the dining table, business is gonna pop up at some point in that conversation.
1: Right.
0: So that becomes a tax deductible expense right there because now you have, you know, you have business owners sitting at a table and they own a company and they're discussing business. That's the rule. So now you've just taken advantage basically of the tax code. So for tax reasons, yeah. I mean all your trips, for example, if you're going to the Bahamas, you know, as long as you're working quote unquote four hours a day that becomes a tax deductible expense. So, yeah, you should absolutely do it. And then, you know, this is a way to transfer wealth to your to your kids as well because they're going to become owners at some point or at the initial, you know, so I absolutely recommend that you treat your life like a business.
1: Bro, that's crazy. And I just have to get out of character there, but that's fascinating. That just blew my mind because I wasn't I was a little skeptical about how that would um, go as far as if it would work or not But I mean that just shows how much I know When it comes to finances But that's interesting and so that was something that you would actually recommend Would you do that yourself?
0: Oh yeah, I'm doing that Well, I don't have a family for sure. Right, right but my well, mom is a 10% one. owner of one of my companies um, So <laughs> technically, yes My family members Some of my family members are part of my company And every time we eat That becomes a tax deductible expense So yeah, and if I had a big family We would all be business owners
1: That's outstanding, bro. That's outstanding. And you can get more information um, on your website, jeffbadu.com. He has the list of resources of different book reviews he's done. He got his podcast link there. He got his blog, his vlog. I mean, all the information is available on Jeff Badu. Um, You can also follow him on Instagram. What's your tag name? Instagram is at jbadu, J-B-A-D-U-32. All right. And so, yes, you can follow him on all the social media platforms, it's all on his website. Jeff, man, thank you again for joining the show, man. I know you're a busy man. I know you got so much money to count on your hands. Um, and <laughs> so I don't want to take too much time. But thank you, brother. It's been a pleasure, man. And I hope that we can talk again. I'll be having more questions for you. And I really appreciate all that you're doing and all that you continue to do um, for our community you know, it's Black History Month and just shout out and salute to you, brother, for your endeavors. And I wish you best of luck moving forward,
0: bro. Absolutely. I appreciate the
1: opportunity. No doubt, man. You have a good one. We'll talk. All right. Thank you, sir. Peace. Well, that was a great interview. I hope you all enjoyed it. I personally enjoyed it. I learned a lot and I hope you all did too. Um, special shout out to Jeff Badu again. Guy's just a special guy, man. He's on the rise. Um, so yes, if you have any feedback, please feel free to email me, blacktransnational17 at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at blacktransnational underscore. We're keeping it moving on Black History Month. Uh, we got so much more episodes. Stay tuned. Rate, review, subscribe. The podcast It's available on all platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, TuneIn. Especially Anchor app. Please, if you listen to the Anchor app, um, use use the voicemail feature. Send me something. Apart from that, my name is Dr. Kalechi Bay-Lamberts. My black is transnational. And I hope by the end of this, yours will be too. Peace.